Are we done? During those hours when the landscape forms a halo around life, and dream is simply a matter of dreaming oneself, I created, oh my love, in the silence of my disquiet, this strange podcast, like a series of arches, opening up at the end of some abandoned venue. In order to record this, I plucked the souls from all the flowers, and out of the ephemeral moments of all the songs of all the birds, I wove eternity and stagnation. <sighs> Sitting at the window of my life and forgetting that I was alive, that I existed, I began to weave shrouds in which to shroud my tedium, chaste linen cloths for the altars of my silence. And I am offering you this podcast because I know it to be both beautiful and useless. It teaches nothing, preaches nothing, arouses no emotion. It is a stream that runs into an abyss of ashes that the wind scatters in which neither fertilize nor harm. I put my whole soul into its making, but I wasn't thinking of that at the time only of my own sad self and of you who are no one. And because this podcast is absurd, I love it. Because it is useless, I want to give it to you. And because there is no point in wanting to give it to you, I give it away. Pray for me when you listen to it. Bless me by loving it and forget it as I forget those planes and buildings and women, mere dreams I never knew how to dream. Silent towers of my desires, may this podcast be the transforming moonlight in the night of the ancient mystery river of painful imperfection. May this podcast be the boat set adrift on your waters and washed down to an undream of sea. Landscape of alienation and abandonment, may this podcast be as much yours as your hour and transcend you as it does the fateful purple hour. <sighs> Conflicted you was, remember I do. Gay I am. <sighs> your host, Geraldo Rivera, I am. Tune in to episode 62 of Geraldo's Edge Game. You are. A lot of people say to me, wow, Geraldo, you must be making so much money from your podcast. Uh, can I have some? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And then I give them a million dollars and pay for everyone's groceries and health insurance and lawyer fees. Uh, some would consider me the Mr. Beast of X videos. Some, some would say, I used to be the Mr. Beast of Pornhub and many vids and OnlyFans uh, before I was wrongfully terminated. I like to envision a future where when you are fired from your position at uh, as a contractor on OnlyFans that you can uh, file for unemployment 
from that. That is a feature I want. And I look forward to. Money's always on my mind. I don't know if you can tell. I'm all about my money. Now in 2023, now is the time to care uh, about your money more than anything. Okay? Uh, more so because I, I fully recognize the fragility of wealth. Okay? I recognize the fragility of wealth. And I've been doing a lot of thinking and a lot of, of thinking. And... I would just like to document officially a, a full accounting of, of my past and present financial situations and my relationship with money in general. Uh, arguably, most people's most traumatic relationship. Now, I don't, it, it, you may forget, uh, I think I started this show by trying to 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 analyze relationships you know more so romantic relationships sexual relationships and and kind of interweaving those with your your more uh, familial relationships and and trying to understand how they interact and 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 come together and in all sorts of ways now that that that's what this show still is uh and i'm not saying i'm trying to return to, to that Necessarily, because I, I never forgot it. It's always been about that. Um, and so, let's get one thing straight. As we as we get into my my accounts, my accounting, and, and my finances, and and so on. This is a um this is a rags to riches story. It is. This is this is started from the bottom. Now we here on the couch recording jerk off podcast. And I don't want you to forget that. That is a very when you when you when you listen to all the things I tell you, all the glamorous things I tell you, please remember that I came from nothing. And who you see today is the result of many, many years of, of, of struggle and trial and tribulation to get to this point. So don't think it'll just come to you if you listen to me. Okay, I need you to be able to contextualize what leads a person to this point. Okay, just keep that in mind. This is a rags to riches story, a tale as old as time. But perhaps hearing my journey will push you to get up off of your broke ass and become the Mr. Beast of your community. I'm going to give you, amongst many, I will give you the number one tip for maximizing your chances of financial success. Especially a person of your caliber. You listening to the Jerk Off podcast. One thing my mom always seemed to emphasize when I was growing up was how stressful life is when you have to worry about money constantly. 
It is a constant, in the back of your mind, everything you do is affected by your awareness of how much money you have in your bank account. And it's not to say you can't do, you know, free things. This is not saying like, oh, I'm going to avoid, you know, going to grocery shopping because I can't afford it. It's more of like, uh, uh, it's, it's just that no matter what you're doing, whether you're spending money actively or not, it is a, it is a conscious thought. And some, I think in, in this day and age have, have equated that to, uh, a, a hustle mindset. They've, they've made it a positive thing to always have your, your mind on the money and your money on your mind, so to speak. Okay. This is not just a thing that's glamorized in them hip hop songs no more. Okay. This is, this is white men telling you this. This is, this is white men on podcasts telling you always keep your money first, first and foremost, it is a priority and and surely i'm not i'm not arguing that i'm not here to to question that advice and i i'm just bringing this up because this is this is certainly my mom had this mindset you know if you, if you project this mindset to my mom she's had it for her whole life um her main goal uh, because of this is I, I I think it was for me to have a worry free life. I, th- I think most parents, they, they have this idea that um, th- they don't want their children to experience the same hardships that they went through. Um, <sighs> namely, you know, poverty is, is a big one for a lot, <sighs> a lot of people, not just uh, my mom, but we're going to focus on my parents today. Okay. Cause I think they're a good example <sighs> I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to stick to the script today because cause my, mind's, my mind's on a hundred. My mind's on a hundred thousand. Her main goal was for me to have a worry-free life, at least financially. Her other goal, in my opinion, was to secure her own future by having a child. So think of children as as risky long-term investments, okay? With somewhat unlikely payouts, okay? Very very high risk. A child is a small startup company that requires a lot of seed money to get up and running. Okay, think of that. Typically, you're, you're looking at at least 20 plus years of hard work before you see any profit, before you see that there's even a chance of any real significant legal profit, mind you, okay? Looking at you, child actors, looking at you, uh, any, any, any child labor in general, but... If, if, if you want to make it big with a kid, uh, child actors are the way. Anyway. The point is, it's an investment. Okay? It's like starting your own company. So in this way, your parents, when they have you, they become capitalist 
CEO scum. Okay? Cause because they now own property. They they own the means of production at first meaning their genitals, but now when they have you, you are a new source of potential income in the future. Okay? You are an asset. A child is an asset, but you as an adult are an asset to your parents regardless. That that is the hope. That is the ideal. Okay? Your 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 parents are CEO scum and you're an entry level employee at uh, Life Incorporated uh, after graduating from the school of uh, hard knocks. So most likely you failed to climb the ranks of your company that they promised all the hard work and effort promised that position. You know, they, they promised you'd get up there. Okay. And in the end you settle because you're tired because you're, uh, you're losing hope that you've, I think you've realized that you're not going to get anywhere. Okay. You realize you're not going to get anywhere in this company. You're not going to, you're not going to reach your parents status, your parent CEO status, your boss at this rate. Okay. And you're not even going to meet their demands. Okay. They're either going to fire you or you're going to quit. Okay. There's two options or really the third is you keep going and, and, and then you kill yourself. Okay. So in the end, what you do is you settle. Okay. And I, I think some people would disagree that this is settling, but hear me out. In the end, you settle by starting your own silly business. Okay. Your own family business because the wild hope of what it could become your business, your family business, what it could become in 20 plus years is the only thing that keeps you sane. It is the hope. Okay. It is, it is digging in the mines and and always feeling like you're about to strike gold any minute going to hit diamonds. That is what keeps you alive is that something could change. And this, this is you taking control of that risk. Okay. Corporations want you to have children for their benefit while convincing you it's for the children's benefit. And I'm talking about parent corporations, not the real ones, not the real corporations. They're very different. A child can take care of you financially, physically, emotionally, and however else you want. If, and only if you put in the money and the work and the sweat and the tears and big if, if you get lucky because they don't die in a car accident or, or 
they get addicted to to anything. They have a horrible addiction that they could develop much later in life, just when you thought they were going to get their shit together, just when you thought it was finally going to pay off. They go to college. Huge investment. They pick up a drug habit. Boo. There's your investment. That's it. Just like that. Gone. Or they decide they hate you. They decide you're a fucking retard. And they don't want to talk to you because they don't owe you anything. So they believe. Okay? And that's where they're wrong. Is, is, is the thought that kids don't owe their parents anything because they didn't ask to be here. That's retarded. Kids owe you their life. Forever. The greatest thing that happened to your parents is when their parents died because that meant uh, they were free. It meant they were emancipated at the age of uh, 55 when their when their 80-year-old mother died. That was the best day of their lives because they were no longer burdened uh, by having to serve. Okay? We are indentured servants as long as your parents are living forever. You owe them your life. But there's an attitude now that it's okay to hate your parents because they're just people, okay? Because they're just people. And so there's a high probability uh, with every passing generation that uh, your kids will resent you more and more if you are not careful. Because if they don't hate you, once they go to school, they're going to hear stories about kids hating their parents and that they can get away with not liking their parents or talking to their parents. They get ideas. Okay? This is, it's normal. This is hyper-normalized. Okay? It, is, it, is, it has become a meaningless relationship. So, if that doesn't happen... Uh... Or if, uh, as long as uh, they're, uh, they could, they could also just be born retarded, okay, and then, and then that's an automatic. Now, now, hold on, it's not an automatic exclusion, <sighs> and we'll come back to this. Not an automatic exclusion, okay. If if your kid's retarded, there are still a lot of ways to turn that around, okay. I think we, I think we know what we're talking about here when it comes to monetizing. Uh, mental illness uh, or really any illness in your children. Okay. There's, there's plethora of ways to turn that around. And it's almost depending on what kind of problem you got. Um, it could be, it could be easier to get away with anyway. You know what I'm talking about? The point is it is a high risk, high payout gamble, very high risk, questionably high payout okay but the house wins every time 
Okay. House wins every time. Here, here's this. Here's this. I believe many people have an underlying gambling addiction. That is my belief is that many people have an underlying gambling addiction that manifests in the decision to go all in on, uh, on parenthood. Now that's not, I don't think that's novel or groundbreaking. Okay. But I, I'm just saying So my advice to you, the, the loser jerking off uh, or falling asleep or chilling or studying or vibing or, or working to this from home uh, is that when you finally are ready uh, to give up on your own dreams of success, when you're, when you're feeling like there's not much else to be done, there, there's not, there's, you're not going to turn it around you know, on your own at this point, you've dug yourself into this hole. Uh, what you're going to want to do is, is pass that burden along to the next generation. What you're, what you're going to want to do is have children once you're ready, once you're just about ready to give up on yourself. That is the ideal time to, to bet it all on a baby. Because at least then you have the smallest chance of being successful at at least one thing. Okay. And that, and that could be, raising a child, raising a child well, whatever your standard is. But nonetheless, you had a child. And uh, almost across the board, people will respect you for that. Okay, you become, you become a martyr when you have a kid. It gives you, an, it gives you tons of excuses for, for, for a lot of things. For being a failure, for one. That's a big one. It definitely excuses all your past failures up to that point. It does. Now, I know you might come up with all sorts of, hey, but what about these shitty parents? Uh... No, the problem is that they kept failing once they had kids. That those are true. Those are the worst failures. The ones who go all in on a kid and then continue to to fuck up. Okay, those that that is truly degenerate. Uh, having a kid is a, is a chance to 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 to, to reset. You know, and you don't, and you don't have to feel guilty about the past 
20, 30, 40 years of your life saying, what was I doing? What was that for? You know, now you get to say, oh, it was this. It's for this. All the mistakes you made, all the things you <sighs> fucked up. Okay. So even if you're not successful, okay, even if you're not successful in raising your kid, you still have an excuse. If, if you turn into a shitty person or if you fuck up other things in your life outside of your kid, you have an excuse. You have a kid. And if you fuck up your kid, that's not your fault either. Okay. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. For, for for the most part. That is that is where I see it being a wise, a very wise investment. Now, some of you may disagree with this advice. And to be honest, I agree with you. Uh, however, I'd, I'd like you to consider where this idea is rooted. Okay? Because I'm certainly not the first nor the last person to share it. Uh, I'm going to use my own parents to demonstrate the cyclical nature of gambling addiction. Okay. This is what we're, we're not talking about. We're not talking about money. We're talking about gambling today. We're talking about gambling. And my mom, my mom, you, you know, or you love her. She grew up poor, uh, like many good hardworking Filipinos. She grew up poor in the Philippines. Okay family of uh i believe 13 it was her 10 siblings and her mom and her dad okay and this is i don't know when they first started having their kids i don't know the 50s okay my mom was born early 60s this was a time when people and I, I think this is still true in a lot of countries where they have lots of kids and you just, you, you know, the more kids you have, the better chances uh, that one of them is going to turn out great. Okay. That is a, that is a, a shotgun method uh, to success via children. Shotgun success or, or, collectively they uh they plow the fields okay this is maybe more rooted in something deeper historically about having more kids to run your empire right mom's dad she uh her dad ran a family business that actually made them somewhat wealthy uh relative to the neighborhood uh, but in a neighborhood where most had a dirt floor. Uh, they should have been more comfortable than most. They, they, they made money. They had income. Uh, but unfortunately, her mother was severely addicted to gambling. And this is real gambling we're talking about. This is talking about... Uh, we're talking about cards and uh, money. Um fiat money, uh, pe pesos, I believe they call them. I think they're pesos in the Philippines. Her mom had a problem 
and they're not doing it like big casinos and they don't have like big you know fucking luxor or whatever at no, no taj mahal in the philippines it's it's all underground with sketchy people who have nothing you're gambling with people who have nothing and, and nothing to lose but her family had a little bit to lose and uh she certainly gambled most of it away whatever small luxuries their family's hard work uh, could afford and uh they would come uh, there would they would be debt collectors really not even separate debt collectors they're just the people that are owed the money uh would would come to the house and uh take furniture this is a, this is what my mom told me i'm sure it's true uh but she told me there were many many times where they come and just uh take your shit and they don't it's a it's basically a third world i mean despite being a very americanized nation uh at the time it was still you know you can get away with anything and you still can you still can if you want to rape and murder move to the philippines there's no joke about that. That's real. Just go ahead. Go ahead and go. For real. Uh, somehow all 10 of her siblings uh, survived. Okay, Her and her 10 siblings survived uh, despite the repeated debt, uh, the ongoing debt, and, um, and having no money and not falling into a life of at least dangerous crime, I guess. Maybe they did some crime. I don't know. Who knows? And some of the older siblings were successful enough um, as they approach adulthood uh, to support their younger siblings and put them through college, okay, which is a big deal. It's a big deal. And uh, my mom was one of the younger siblings, and so she got put through school, and she got a degree in math and taught at a university. <sighs> in the Philippines. Uh, so even the professor made relatively little, okay, in the Philippines. She was a college professor, and that salary barely afforded her the illusion of, of escaping poverty. It, it, it promised that, that you could change not only your own life, but your family's life. Um, and it was not true. And it's not true here either. But it was true here, at least in the, I guess that would have been the 80s. Um, so she moved here to the States sometime in her 20s uh, with a handful of her siblings. And she started nannying and cleaning for rich people in New York. Okay, She started scrubbing toilets, taking care of babies, whatever, whatever. Okay. Don't know what the dream was. It was just to get out of Philippines, go somewhere you could hopefully make something of yourself, make money, whatever. Land of opportunity. Tale is all this time. Okay. And my dad's family, I don't know why they were broke. I'm not really sure. There was, there was no dramatic gambling story there. I learned later on that my dad's mom 
likes gambling a lot, but uh, I was never quite so deranged to she's one of the few that gambles responsibly, but do, but a lot. She responsibly gambles a lot. Um, and that's over time, it's a steady f- flow of, of penny slots. She was committed to penny slots and not even betting big on the penny slots. Okay. Like betting single lines on a, on a, anyway. So not a problem, not, not, not betting the house. Like my mom's mom. I'm boring myself right now. Uh, I'm unsure why my dad's family was broke. Uh, they were more classically American, poverty-based, uh, based around his parents basically being idiots, I think. My impression is that they basically didn't care or didn't know how to budget uh, and save money um, for their children. You know, Obviously, they know how to spend for themselves. But I think they just didn't care. You know what I mean? I think they were just, they were just like, yeah, we're just supposed to have kids, so let's just do it and... Fuck it. And, um, but my impression also is that in the sixties, you didn't really have to work too hard, uh, to comfortably raise six kids, uh, in Queens, New York. Okay. Uh, it was a different time and maybe they weren't so much broke as they were just sort of trashy with their spending, which is, which is kind of the impression I get with my dad is like that. That's he, he learned how to spend his money on like garbage and, um, he, uh, yeah, I don't know what he did with most of his life, but when my parents met, he was working as a bank teller, uh, or some other equally entry level position at a bank, uh, in his thirties. And knowing my dad now, I like to imagine that in the fool's mind, uh, the way to, make money is to work at a bank because you'll be around money more and somehow as a bank teller the the money will just it'll just come to you because you're around it all the time and um that's just that's just how i like to think of it like his his mindset was like well i'll be a cashier because that's (laughs) I'm going to get rich being a cashier because I'm touching hella money every day. Now he's never said that I'm just putting words in his mouth, but that's just, that's just me thinking, uh, it it makes me wonder sometimes why, what he was doing there. Um, Anyway, by the time they met and decided to have me accidentally in their mid-30s, they had not saved up at all, seemingly. They had not saved up a penny. They were still living uh, paycheck to paycheck before having me and after having me and before moving to Pennsylvania uh, because they followed my dad's uh, sister and their family friends bunch of gay faggot New Yorkers. They all picked up and moved to the uh, country, the countryside of Pennsylvania uh, for a better life. And um, 
not long after my parents split and my mom worked nights uh, to be able to care for me during the day. And my dad worked in a grocery store deli to pay the minimum required child support while having extremely limited custody of me. Now, things were picking up because they were living somewhere cheap. So you can afford to be cheap. And early on, money was tight. Okay. But it was never obvious to me. My parents did a good job not making it super obvious that we were like broke, broke. You know, they still got me like nice things that a kid is supposed to have. So I, I'm not, I'm not complaining about us being broke. Okay. But secretly, secretly we were secretly. We were on the edge. Like a lot of people are, um, and my mom worked really hard and was extremely focused on budgeting. And it, it blows my mind that uh, they're so op- my mom and my dad are so opposite. Um, but she still found ways to make things comfortable for me. There were a few Christmases we received gifts. Um, they had a, a church gift tree where if you've never seen, there's tons of other things that are not church related that do this, but um, just community type gift giving things where, you know, it's a kid. I, I don't know. I don't know if like a family will ask for it or if they just get volunteered or something or they're like in, in an orphanage or, or whatever, but they'll have a tree of uh, uh, um like cardboard cut out like ornaments and on them they have written like six-year-old boy size like medium likes uh dinosaurs or likes trucks or whatever and someone can pick that up and then they buy a gift for that person for that kid and it's most likely because their family like you know can't afford to buy them gifts um for the holidays and so uh i was i was on the receiving end of that for a few years actually and i didn't really understand like you know it was nice but i didn't realize we were getting a charity we were we were receiving charity uh for for a while and um uh i slept in the car a few nights while my mom was working uh when we couldn't I don't know if we couldn't afford a sitter or what was going on, but nonetheless, many nights in the Ford Focus and my mom would come out and and check on me every like two hours on her break. Uh, Eventually things picked up. She remarried and partially I, I think that's for financial stability amongst other things, but I think primarily financial stability, a nice white man who's worked a, you know, uh, a full-time job for 20, 25 plus years and never marry, no kids, just saves his money, buys dumb, sh- you know, just buys what he wants. Um, and so while we had the white stepdad taking care of some of the, some of the finances, uh, she went back to school for nursing and uh, now she's a comfortable trad wife. Uh, Meanwhile, my dad went a different route. He, uh, at some point, he filed for bankruptcy twice. I think once before me and then once after me. Um, 
he's just dumb. As I said, just dumb with his money. Just buys really likes kind of got like like knickknacks. You know, he likes buying like just like little like cheap things you can play with. Like he like loves like the 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 prize the prizes at Chuck E. Cheese and like arcades. Like he lives for that. He lives for the 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 slappy sticky hand. He lives for the 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 go- the sparkly flashlight thing. You know what I mean? Like the the thing. It's not a flashlight, but it's gooey inside. You might as well stick your stick your dick in it. Stick your dick on it. He lives for that, and and he would pay money for that. Not just his tickets. You know, he'd buy that. Um, just bad investments. I'm not gonna go into too much depth here. The the big one, big ones being uh, scratch off tickets. Both my parents love playing the lottery, and that might just be a boomer thing. I don't know. It, it must have been a more exciting thing during their development. Um, was to 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 play the lottery. Um, because again, it is it is a it is a wild hope that keeps you going, keeps you going. Um, he invested in a, in a Filipino girlfriend. He invested in a, 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 an 18 year old girl, which you can listen, you can learn more about, uh, in a previous episode, I believe it's daddy's day or something, whatever. I did an episode for my dad. I, I think I talked about his, this, how he got scammed. Um, I think he's always been in debt. You know, he's always, he always accrues a bunch of credit card debt. And I never knew that. I never lived with him. I, I only learned that his finances were so shitty when I like moved in with him when I was 16. But he always seemed like he was baller. Like when he had me, you know, he only had me one day every other week. So he'd ball out when he had me. We'd go like, you know, go see movies. We would do like triple, like a triple date. You know, we'd like go to the movies. We'd get dinner wherever and then we'd also like go to the mall go go with arcade and like do something cool so like he'd always ball out when he had me which you know uh but i never knew i i just assumed you know he was always pretty frivolous with his spending and, and could afford it because i don't know what else he was doing but little did i know he was investing in sex and in, in the yahoo messenger sex trade and um yeah, when I was living with him, I was like, "Holy shit, my dad is is also." I don't think he needed. I don't think he needed charity. I don't think he like you know he he definitely put himself in in his situation, and uh, I think he just didn't care. You know, I think he just didn't care. He's very happy go lucky with his life, and doesn't think too much into the future, which is kind of cool. Um. But when you like live with it and you see the consequences, the results of it, you're like, well, you should probably balance it out a little bit more when you're like, fuck, he was like fucking 40. You know what I mean? He's not, this is like, it's cool to me. Cause it's like, Oh, like I'm young and I should like experience things. And that's, 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 that is what we're sold on. Our generation is, is, and younger is like, Oh, you're not going to like own things. You're just going to like experience things. You're going to, you're going to pay for experiences and that's what'll keep you going you'll never have anything of your own, which is fine. Maybe, maybe I'm just, I'm convinced that that's, that's because that's how it, that's all it's going to be. Um, 
getting ahead of myself. My point is that my dad, it's a charity case, and uh, he would he would he would go and get free meals from like church. He would like they have like a free meal every Tuesday at like this one church we went to, but you would he learned this from my grandma he learned this from his mom actually is that he she learned all of the free lunches you can get on different days at different places all over our town in the county and uh they would drive to them together they would go together and so my dad learned them and and kept going even after my grandma died like understandably my grandma wasn't cooking for herself in her old you know when she was older so she wanted like a meal that was good enough and anyway so um i'm i'm sure my dad's getting old enough now to to Uh, to qualify but it's like he never had to you know what i mean he never had to he works he's worked full time he's worked full time his, his whole life and he's getting charity uh and i'm not i'm not saying everyone who's poor is just a result of poor budgeting. I know that's the trap. That's not what I'm getting at. I just I'm just applying this purely to my dad. Knowing knowing his life and what he does spend on, uh he does not deserve charity. He does not deserve uh hand downs. He's just retarded. Okay, if he if he just came out and said he was retarded, that would make it a lot easier for me to to sympathize and empathize, but I I don't think he is. I don't think he's quite that retarded. He certainly is, but not that retarded. So, so those are my, those are my major influences. Okay. So those people, those people, they were fucking around for most of their life. Like I am, I'm fucking around. I don't, I'm not really saving for nothing, but they fucked around and then they said, all right, well, let's, gamble let's have a kid let's have a kid and that'll turn things around maybe okay i i have certainly gotten the impression from my my mother that she had me because who because 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 eight i'm only gonna apply this to asians i can only speak on asians i'm sure this is common in other cultures and other countries but southeast asians definitely have have it's it's not a problem to to let your kid know that you are to take care of them when they're old that they have you because i take care of you when you're a baby and so you're going to take care of me when i'm essentially an adult baby in diapers it is it is hammered into you so that you never forget it and that if you try to forget it and if you try to ignore it, you will feel guilty for the rest of your life. Okay. I don't know how many times my mom told me if, if, uh, if I put her in a nursing home, she's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. She's going to pull on my feet while I sleep, which I know probably isn't true. You know, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in the, the entity itself, but I, I certainly believe in the ghost of guilt. Okay, and I know that would haunt me, and that's a, worse than feet pulling. Feet pulling sounds terrifying, but uh, you know, it, it it is truly. I I am an investment. 
and I am resigned. I've resigned myself to 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 be an investment. My mom made sure I had what I needed. Okay. Uh, because she had a kid and that's what you're supposed to do is give your kid what, what they need to survive long enough for them to start making their own money so that they can support themselves until it's time for you to die. When I was in high school, I was a bit resentful of my mom, as many are, and as many teens would be, for any number of reasons. And um, my mom let me have a, uh, when she kicked me out, she was committed to making sure that I was, I had emergency (sighs) funds, because she knew my dad was broke. And... I think she made my dad feel bad about it. You know, I think she made it known that she didn't trust that he could like support me financially in the event of like an emergency because she knew he didn't have anything saved up. And what he had saved up, he was not real. He was always in the negative because he was always in debt. And, um, I think my dad would always offer me money, you know, like spending money, like pocket change because he thought my mom would ask me if my dad gave me any money. And I think he was paranoid to look bad um, just because my mom was a nurse now and could, you know. So she, when she kicked me out and moved in with my dad, she gave me a credit card when I was like 16 she just gave me this credit card she said use it for gas you know use it for food use it for emergencies and I was like okay so you know but I was bitter you know I, I, I it was it was it was in a moment I was given this financial freedom in a moment where I was being denied uh, any sort of emotional physical uh, care from my mom. She was not affording me anything else. All she could afford to give me was was money at that point. And I was very bitter about having that money. I was very weird. I was weirded out by this idea that she felt relieved of some of her guilt because she was always financially supportive and stable. Um, I, I, I used my mom's credit. I abused it. I abused my mom's credit card and it was out of spite. I, I just assumed she would catch it right away and, and then I'd get in trouble, you know, but we, we were at a point because we were at a point where we weren't talking for, I don't know, like at least like half a year. It was like months. It's like she just wasn't responding to me. But I still had this card. And 
I was just like, if I just start spending it on dumb shit, she's going to call me, probably. She's probably going to hit me up be like, what the fuck? Or just cancel it. But none, nonetheless, at least some some sort of interaction. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I bought a bunch of dumb shit online because I wanted attention with her card. And uh, one time it went up so long, it went on for so long, this like distant avoidant streak that I racked up like nothing at the time it was a big it's like, it's like a big deal because like I don't even I can't fathom that amount of money in one place but I spent like seven thousand dollars on her credit card just just buying dumb shit um expecting her to notice it and then forcing her to cancel it and shockingly at the time she didn't moderate her accounts closely and uh she reported it too late and she only got 2k back but she reported it as fraud and she when i heard about it later she gave me the impression that she believed it was fraud and it was never a conversation of like it was never an accusation that I did it. There was, it was never that. And there's part of me that thinks that she just didn't want to have that conversation with me. Uh, like about like scolding me or something. I, I like, I never knew. Cause it, it just seemed like I was like, how do you think this was fraud? Like I've been using the card. I still have the card while fraud can happen, why is me using it not even a consideration? I was really weirded out by it. like that's something I never, we never even rehashed. You know, like it never came out that I did it, and I feel like I should just tell her. I feel like because I feel like she knows, and was maybe just half expecting the guilt to like overcome me and and be like, yeah, like it was me, sorry, but yeah, no, I don't know. I bought like, like laptops off of eBay and like, like sneakers. And I bought an accordion. I bought like a, like a $500 accordion and had it shipped to my grandma's house. Like fraud. So I, I felt guilty about it. I did. But that was a uh, weird balancing. But I, I learned a little bit of how nice it is to to just spend money. Uh, all I was spending it on was weed. You know, I I I I was I was spending I was spending um. The only other money I had was from working my shitty part time jobs. Okay, and and that money would go to sheets. I would get food at sheets. I would spend it on gas money and then I would spend it on, on weed. I just wasted on weed pretty much. Uh, cause I got to a point where I was like, well, well after that incident happened, I was like, I don't want my mom's money anymore. I, I was trying to make a point about it. I was trying to make a point that I didn't want her financial. I just wanted her attention. I just wanted her love. 
And so I made a point to not use it. I would take her card. I would take, I would take whatever she wanted support to support me with, and I would just do nothing with it. And because um, it 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 felt like yeah, I just didn't want to get bought off. You know what I'm saying? But I worked a lot of dumb jobs because early on, because my mom was trying to convince me early on that like I shouldn't get a job. I should just enjoy life. And I kind of, and I respect that, you know, like when I was a kid, you know, but you know, I was trying to better myself. I just wanted to be responsible. I wanted to like, under like I wanted to work. I was like, I want to understand, I want to understand money a little better. So I got a lot of, I got a lot of jobs like when I was pretty young, like a lot gig after gig. Um, because I hated them. I never, I actually never learned anything because I kept hopping from job to job. And I, that's kind of where I'm at now is I've learned this, this behavior of, uh, if you don't like it, you just quit, which, uh, I guess has some benefit now, uh, in terms of our current climate. But, um, I remember I worked at a, at a Chinese restaurant. I worked at a Chinese restaurant called new China house which I believe is closed now, but was a converted uh, Turkey Hill gas station, which just moved across the street from it. So they moved out of this building, and so they just rebranded the Turkey Hill into a new China house. And that was my first job. It was under the table, and I fried rice. And my bosses, uh, they... Uh, could not say my name, so they used. Uh, well, I guess I can't tell this story. <laughs> but they used my last name, and uh, it's very—it's a racist joke. It's a racist thing. The way they said my last name. Damn, I—I I didn't realize. Uh, anyway, it was a shitty job. It was a shitty job, but it's a good first job. Whatever. Uh, getting paid under the table, get cash, straight cash, go straight to weed. Perfect. Uh, and I got to a point where my mom saw that I was, you know, gaining some independence. So I didn't have to like go to her for money or I didn't have to ask about like spending on the card or like anything like that. And she had me quit. She had me quit my job. She didn't force me to. You know, but it got to a point where we had like a, a, like a kind of like a heart to heart and, you know, cause I was, I was kind of struggling. I was struggling at the time. I was like depressed and I was like, you know, I'm just angsty, whatever, high school. And she convinced me that like, you know, this job wasn't going to help, you know, and that she'll take care of me. Like, don't worry and just quit your job. And I was like, okay. Because I wanted my mom's love, and she was giving me love, so I quit. Um, and then, and then, you know, and then we didn't talk again for a while, and so it, that was kind of a weird relationship I had with work early on. Uh, and then I worked a job at Sonic for like two weeks. Uh, my mom set this example of uh, with her in nursing uh, that you can just pick up and quit you can just pick up and go whenever you want 
because you know, well, with nursing, it's they're more in demand, and there's limited people who want to do that job. Um, and in my town at the time, it's not that entry level jobs were harder to come by, but I felt like. I don't know. I, I felt like there was no consequence to just applying and working at a place and getting trained for two weeks and getting paid for training and then leaving, which is what I did. Um, I did that for Sonic, but Sonic sucked. I never, I never had any intention. I, uh, I had intentions to actually work there like long term, but I hated it immediately. And I think they thought I spoke Spanish because all the staff spoke Spanish there. And I didn't speak Spanish, but they never tried speaking to speaking Spanish to me when I applied. And then when I was on the job, that's what it was. And I was like, I feel retarded. And so I left. I was not good at that either. I was not. I never got good at Sonic. Uh, cause I tried roller skating. I tried roller skating cause they told me you'd get more tips as a car hop, which I think is true, maybe I don't know. It's also just more efficient. I don't. Know, I never did. I never did it. So uh, I tried, and I uh, I remember I spilled like four milkshakes on this dude's like, <sighs> car, and and he was really nice about it. It was like he had like a nice like classic, you know, Corvette or something, and I'm fucking retarded and high <sighs> shit, just like Ugh, and I jizzed milkshakes all over his uh, his whip. And uh, and I did my best to wipe it clean. He's like, oh, I needed a car wash anyway. And he tipped me five. So they're not all bad. Uh, those old people. I worked at American Eagle. This is I'm just gonna tell you all the jobs I did now. Uh, I worked at American Eagle, and I wanted to work that. I wanted to work that because I was at that point I was working at I was going to school at the mall. I was going to mall school in the the mall food court. Uh, which I've talked about before, but that's just like a charter school uh, for kids who are too retarded to do normal school uh, or had a baby or like need to work full time or, or just mentally ill. So a bunch of different reasons. Nonetheless, working at the mall or going to school at the mall, I was like, I might as well work in the mall, applied everywhere, got American Eagle. Training was corny. It was like how to be party ready. That's the, I remember that was like the line was like, that was the line for the training, not for the brand. It was just like, always be party ready. And this was like 2012. Um, very gay, now that I think about it again. And they never gave me any shifts. Uh, they hired me seasonally at first, and then they put me on part-time after the season. And I probably worked like two shifts a month. Um... So like not much, not much weed money. And then I worked at Toys R Us in my senior year. And that was a very depressing, but good experience. Cause it made me, uh, it made me see what my life could be. It made me see a very low, effort future where I work at Toys R Us for the next 20 years and become some kind of manager. Uh, and I hadn't seen like office space. I hadn't seen anything that kind of criticizes or critiques uh, modern like workplace culture. 
um, and how crushing it can be. And I feel like Toys R Us was the first time I was like, holy shit, like, these people should, I, how do these people not kill themselves? Because um, that, that's like, you know, theoretically, these jobs initially should be done by, you know, like teenagers and college students and even even people into their 20s a little bit. But you see a lot of people like in their 40s and 50s who have been there for like 20 years and they're still just there working the floor and there's nothing wrong with that job. It's just like, why are you doing it? You know, I get it. There's a lot of reasons. But for me to see that at 18 when... All I want to do is smoke weed and fuck my girlfriend and have a little money on the side. Uh, it, it, it made me very sad. And I said, I cannot stay here. I feel like if I continue here, even while I still needed the money and while I was like in high school, I was like, if I continue to work here, I feel like once I graduate, I'm going to keep working here. And something about that was extremely depressing and demoralizing to me to have been to, to be stuck there with, with those people. They're not, they're not bad people. They're good people. Thank God Toys R Us shut down. I hope they're all fine now. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was eye opening for me. Thank you. Toys R Us. Bunch of 40-year-olds, for real, for real. 40-year-olds at Toys R Us for 20-plus years. Scary, scary, so scary. Uh, Disney Store in college. So uh, at this point, uh, I, ha- ha- I've, I think... And once I graduated, I, I had reverted to accepting my mom's um, financial support because, because I went to college, because I needed, I, needed, I needed a lot of money to go to college. Not a crazy amount, but more, way more than I had, uh, and way more than my dad was willing to afford me, uh, which was none. My dad actually didn't. So, so, okay, here's a funny thing about the investment. Okay, so you do the initial investment when you become a parent by having the kids and you start setting up later investment, which is college. Okay. You start thinking about college immediately. If uh, a a lot of, a lot of parents, most don't, I don't think many do. I think many will tell their kids not to go to college now or many of their kids will forego college or tell their parents they're not going to college very early. Um, but we were the, the my family wanted to uh, we wanted to escape, we wanted to move up a, a socioeconomic level or two, um, which my mom had done uh, successfully from 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 poverty in the Philippines. She she did certainly move up. Uh, I would I would say a couple a couple steps, you know, truly came from nothing. And she wanted me to at least take one step, one step further, take it one step further than that. So 
she started saving and investing in my college. However, my dad, uh, no, he, d- he did not believe in uh, furthering that investment. I think he felt he had invested enough at that point. And I will say that um, there were some unexpected costs with me for context. I racked up a lot of medical bills in high school because I went to the hospital. Mm, I had three inpatient visits, all at least one week in length between the ages of 17 and 18. I had three inpatient visits stays. Uh, and I never got, I actually never got the number on how much that actually costs my parents. Um, but I'm sure it was a lot. And I believe I was under my dad's insurance and knowing my dad, uh, if he has an option, he picks the high deductible, low premium insurance plan, no matter what, because he's planning for himself. Uh, and he's a guy that doesn't go to the doctor. He's a guy that doesn't believe in doctors uh, and is, is, is into curing yourself and, and remedy, you know, whatever. And that's not out of that. I don't think that's out of frugality or, or out of frugalness. Uh, I think that's more so just out of his just general distrust of, of, you know, I don't know of doctors or people that are smarter than him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he he has a lot of those books. I meant to say with his ga- with his scratch off and gambling thing, he he's the type of person to buy books that teach you how to win at gambling, but not not in like the cool technical way of like here's how you can calculate, you know, the probability. Here's how to play these games so you maximize your chances of like winning. Um, you know, he's not counting cards. He's not doing something that actually somewhat increases your chances of winning, you know, to, to, to whatever they could be. Uh, it's more so like gamble on this day, these days of the week because of maybe some stars or moon alignment or whatever, you know, it was, it was very much like the horse, like horoscopes of, of gambling. And, um, I wish it was just more, he was just superstitious. You know, I wish it was more just like, Oh, I like this number. Cause I'm going to gamble. I'm going to bet on this number. Cause it's just like a number I like, like that's how people gamble. I think for the most part, it's just like, Oh, it's my lucky number. But my dad tried to attribute a lot of meaning to things in order to gamble, you know, he, he found patterns and he's not schizophrenic, but I wish he was, you know, I, I wish, I wish my dad was schizophrenic and retarded because it would, it would justify like everything a little bit more. So my dad didn't want to invest in me. So they, they, they spent a lot. They they spent, they spent a lot. So they spent a lot of my hospital bills. And by the time I was ready to go to college, uh, 
they had already spent God knows how much on my mental health. And even then I still wasn't like perfect because I tried uh, killing myself like the summer going into my freshman year of college. So literally I was like, you know, a month, like a month and a half prior to me starting my first semester, I was in, in I was inpatient. I was, I was in the hospital. Yeah. So my dad did not have faith that I would, I would be a worthy investment because he would spend money on, on my tuition and then I would kill myself. <laughs> And this is on record that he's, he has said this. He has said this to my mom with me present. And it's not a like, oh, I don't have faith that he won't like finish in school. Like he just like that he'll drop out or whatever. It was, it was a, uh, he's. I don't want to spend money on tuition because he is going to kill himself and waste it. And I do not blame him. I know it sounds like I'm 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 mocking that, but I would I would have the same I would have the same thought. Okay, but but that was another gamble. Okay, and and, and for me I'm glad my mom took that that gamble because if it were me, I would I would say the same as my dad. I'd say he's probably gonna kill himself. But my mom saw it as a chance for me to not kill myself. She saw it as a as an opportunity for for change and for uh, for novelty and for a something for me to focus on and a direction in life, and that would be the only thing to keep me alive for another uh, four years at least. And it was, and it was, and I was miserable, but I'm alive. And I, I made it through that, that period. Uh, and I, and I, I am positive. I'm almost positive that if I did not go to school, if I did not go to college and I stayed in my shitty town and kept working at Toys R Us and smoking weed, I'd be dead. I would, I certainly would have tried to kill myself probably probably you know when everyone else was going to college i'd be like well let's just stop here now i'm not saying college is like a good thing it's not a good investment for the for most people uh that is wrong because we're obviously the how many people are clamoring for that 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 loan forgiveness now is in the millions and those people want to kill themselves now. Uh, and they've wanted to kill themselves slightly before, but now that they were teased with the idea that, uh, that they were going to be forgiven, uh, it, it kind of reminded them and amplified, um, how much they want to die. And my, my point is that, it was it was good babysitting for me and it was good damage control for me to get out and have a place to go um 
So that was a big gamble. That was a big investment. But my dad, my, I, I knew at that point my dad was not willing to invest in me anymore. And I stopped feeling indebted to my dad uh, right then and there. That was, I think it was around, right around then I was like, oh, I, it, it's, it's not that I ever owed him anything, but that made me question in that moment, like, oh yeah, like he doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't have to believe in me. Like he doesn't have to invest in me now and I don't have to invest in him. Now we can see each other just as adults because I'm 18 and I can do what I want. And I graduated high school and now he doesn't have to look at me like uh, a responsibility. I'm, I'm a human adult and now I don't have to look at him as a human responsibility. He's just an adult. He's just a roommate. And it, it made, it, it, it's a lot easier to understand your parents when you see them as as peers, as adults, and not your parents, it is, it is, it is a, it is a blessing, I think, uh, and it can hurt in a lot of ways, and for a lot of people, that happens early on when your parents are a lot shittier. Uh, I feel like it's, you know, to to have that later on is is to have that experience of like, oh yeah, your parents are shitty, as just as shitty as anyone else, like in a like later in your life is. I don't know. I don't know. Like it's different than like your parents divorcing when you're older too. I mean, you can see a nasty side of them through a divorce, but I didn't get to see that. I didn't, I didn't get to see the worst of it cause I was too young. So I'm getting, uh, I'm getting lost in the sauce here. Um, I didn't even get through most of what I was. My dad didn't want to gamble on it. So he, he cashed out. I was shocked. I was shocked. He cashed out on what could have been his biggest cash cow. Cause I was like, at that point I was like, what are you, what else are you betting on? What else is your, what you have invested 18 years. And, and I know there's such thing as the gambler's fallacy or whatever it is that, you know, you've already invested so much in it, 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 it means that if you just put in a little bit more, you're going to get, you're going to get a payout. And my dad of all people is the one to say, no, I'm going to cut my losses. So kudos to my dad on that. And I, and I, I know it still sounds sarcastic, but I, I genuinely get it. It's it, but it's funny that the one time I feel like he had some sense of uh, fiscal financial responsibility and, and frugalness, it was in regards to me uh, changing my life and getting an education. So that's the only problem is, you know, because it was personal. But from an outside objective perspective, good thinking, good job. Uh freshman year i dated that girl that mennonite girl and she worked a lot she worked in a at a vf uh, vanity fair outlet and she had been working there for years and so she was kind of my sugar mama when i was dating her because she always had more money than me because i was getting paid dirt at the disney store in the outlet mall and 
Um, I was still not smoking weed. I was, I was doing acid. I was doing a lot more acid, which acid isn't that expensive and you're not doing acid like all day, every day anyway. Um, cause you can't, cause you really can't, at least you can't really enjoy it and maximize your effects if you do it every day. And so anyway, and then I started selling it and then, uh, we broke up because well, I didn't want to marry her first of all because she wanted to get married at like by twenty probably and uh so I lost my sugar mama and I was selling weed and acid but I could not tolerate the paranoia that comes with selling drugs um on a on a super small scale I could not even tolerate that much so uh I gave up on that and then. Things with my mom kind of picked up in college because, you know, she was willing to talk to me more because I was like in a, in her mind, I was at least moving towards a goal that would, would benefit her, which was, you know, getting an education and becoming a nurse, uh, which would provide for me and then get, have a lot extra for my mom and also that I could be my mom's nurse someday. So, it, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits to having a kid who's a nurse and I think that's that's a big thing for Filipinos, especially that's like a huge stereotype is that, you know, a lot of Filipinos are, or a lot of nurses are Filipino. And and I think there's a lot, there's many more factors uh, than people consider. Uh, most people just think it's because the U.S. purposefully kind of encouraged uh, Filipinos who came here to pursue nursing to kind of make up for that interest in our workforce. Um, the lack of interest in our, in the U S workforce at the time. Um, and I think that's kind of carried on for generations. It's just always been, and it's not like it's a bad job like that. We wouldn't have figured a way, you know, figured pushed ourselves into it through other means, but I feel like disproportionately Filipinos are a, a significant, you know, there's a little bit too many nurses than there are your general Filipino population. You know what I mean? So it's like, I get it's practical. I get it's, it's the, the right thing to do, but you know, like why, why not the right thing to do? I, I mean, it's just like the most practical, like in, in Filipinos minds, it's like the most efficient way to like, elevate yourself and and to have like a good steady career and it's it's a long history that i don't really feel like getting into but my impression is that the united states purposefully when they were occupying the philippines saw that they needed more nurses and they had this population that was really fully willing to serve the white man in any way possible and I think uh, they established a lot of nursing schools in the Philippines while the U.S. was occupying the islands. Um, they established other things, but I think they invested more heavily in, in nurses. And I would argue that investment paid off. You know, not surely there's still a nursing shortage here now, but you would still see a very high proportion of Filipinos versus other, uh, let's just limit it to Southeast Asians. Um, but you could say then other races. So at least those who live in the States. 
Um, so speaking of that, uh, I worked a nurse externship, um, which, you know, gay and they barely gave me any work. I actually like, you only had to work, I think like one shift every month to like maintain your externship. And I was just doing it purely for, uh, uh, to for experience and to have something on my resume. So I worked in like a oncology unit and like a float, but they only, only ever put me in oncology and I probably only ever worked like five shifts, but they gave me, I, I had like a week and a half of training, uh, of full-time training. And that was enough for me in college. I was like, that's fine. I'm just fuck it. Uh, I just took that and ran. Um, I worked for, youth wraparound services which sounds i know sounds really dirty but i promise is not um it is a so places call it different things but basically wraparound implies that we were uh, like an all-encompassing um i guess a service i don't know what else to call it it's it's uh kids who were troubled who you know use like behavioral health services and also maybe see the school counselor or have like an aide at school and then who are also like in the juvenile detention system uh juvenile corrections uh or are like on probation or whatever whatever they have a lot of different issues in a lot of different like sectors so they have like these businesses that that kind of try to unify and get everyone on the same page because the problem with a lot of these people a lot of these troubled kids is that uh they not judge too hard because certainly some of these kids are really fucked up but they don't have a good idea of what other people have been trying to help with and do uh, to, to help better their lives. And it's better to pool those resources and people together and have them on the same page. It, it makes sense. Like it's, I'm not, this is, you know, but it's not standard practice. It's not like, it's hard to know how many other things a kid is experiencing unless they reach like a really high level of, of need and acuteness in terms of like how deranged and how bad their home life is, or like until they get arrested or until they kill someone, like, you know, it's hard to fucking know, how bad it's it's getting so i worked for this this business i guess it is a business i guess it was like a not a non-profit but um helping troubled youth and they hired me to because i had they hired me because i had experience as a youth sort of with many of these services and they needed someone that like is supposedly like can relate to the kid and, and be an advocate for the kid because we understand them more or whatever. So that was my job. And I really liked that job and I wasn't very good at it cause I don't have good boundaries, uh, with like be with revealing too much personal stuff about me, but I was only like, I was like 22, you know, like I thought I was, I thought I was like above, you know, I thought I had like learned a lot from like my teens and stuff, but I was still just as like fucked up as I was like, you know, four years prior. So, um, not good at that job. And I quit, I quit after like a summer. 
Um, and then after that, I went into nursing. And I've talked about nursing on other episodes, but basically I just, I worked the autism camps in the summer. Those were great. And that got me into Children's Hospital in Philly. And then, and then I worked at inpatient behavioral health back home because I moved back in with my dad. And, um, yeah, and then I just worked shitty nursing jobs. Not shitty, just they're nursing. I just didn't like nursing. Um, you know, I took care of people that I knew from high school. It was weird. It's kind of weird. Weird to get paid. Uh, meanwhile, through all this, when I first started getting paid, I forgot this is about money. I, I intended this episode to be about money, and now I'm, I, I don't know what it is. It's, I meant to give you context of like why I'm doing what I'm doing now because I was doing nursing and you make good money. You make good money doing nursing and you can live comfortably and you can save. That's the crucial thing about nursing or any other high le- higher paying job is you can save money. And it's not that I can't save money you know, doing this, uh, but I don't. Um, and I know you might... Think I I make a lot doing this, but I don't. It's it's very inconsistent work uh, for a lot of people, and the few people that are making ends meet with this, um, they do make a lot, and they they figure something out. And I I just haven't fully vested myself in this, and I think same thing with any other job I've had. It's this idea that I'm not sure what I'm saving for anymore. I'm not quite sure what I want to do if I were to save any any bits of cash in this time and place where what I make is not going to, if I save it, it's not going to be worth anything in, in 5, 10, 15 years. And um, this idea, the only thing that motivates me is maybe maybe like buying a house but i mean you know my parents were well at least my mom was smart enough to get a house early on and uh i anticipate having that house even though i'm not going to give back anything to my mom but i've i've invested uh i've invested something i've i've invested not uh, murdering my parents. That is, that is what, that is my investment in them. Uh, and that was a gamble I took so that someday maybe I can have, uh, all the money and the house that they worked hard for their whole lives and slaved away for. Okay. That's why I didn't kill them. That's why I didn't murder my parents in their sleep because I thought maybe someday they would win the lottery. Okay. And they still have time. My dad still has time to strike big on the $20 scratch off tickets. He buys multiples of at a time. He still has time. 
But most likely my dad uh, will not leave me anything. And that's fine. Now, this is not me saying I deserve those things. I don't deserve anything from my parents at this point. I don't, they've done what, what for the most part was expected. Okay. Uh, What have I done? I've done this. I, I, I started making pocket change from doing jerk off videos on Pornhub. They were paying me nickels and dimes. You want to know how much they pay? Uh, I think per like thousand views or per thousand clicks or whatever, it was like seven, like 60 cents or something like that. Okay. So I think per month I was getting maybe like a hundred or like 200 a month, nothing crazy, but passive, but passive income for just having content on their site, um, which I regret being banned off, but I would have been banned eventually anyway. So probably for the best, but you know, that was pocket change. But then I was like, Oh, you can make a lot more if you sell your content instead of just streaming. And um, so I started doing that through many vids, not a whole lot. It's, it, I never really tallied up everything, but, uh, you can charge whatever and they, you got an 80% payout on your, on your content. This is now a guide for people who want to get into sex work or to sell content in general. Um, and then all the stream sites, all the, all the cam, I got into camming through Pornhub as well. That was through Pornhub live, which turns out to, um, so Pornhub Live is uh, like a white label. Basically, uh, Pornhub Live is a white label that they just paid for streammates' uh, streams and like their interface, basically. Like they paid to slap their name on their cams. And this happens a lot. This actually happens with a lot of different cam sites. But uh, Streammate is actually the biggest, I believe, in the world. Uh, at least in terms of traffic, in terms of volume, in terms of like revenue, um, I believe they are one of the largest, if not the largest, that does that. A lot of other cam sites like Chatterbait or uh, My Free Cams or 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 Cam Soda, they may sell their cams to other sites, but not on the scale that Streamate does. Is my understanding. So, I was doing that. And they take a huge, I still do that. I still do that now. And they take a huge cut. They take a 65% cut of anything you make, uh, 50% of your content, but 65% of things that of guys tipping you for your love ends to, to vibrate. And, um, it's crazy. It's crazy, but, um, you can actually live off of that. At least I can, I don't a lot of people can make money off of that, but you just have to not think about how much people are paying in the first place. Uh, otherwise it'll drive you nuts, but that's the same with any job. It's better to not know how much, if you have no control over it, it's better to not know how much your boss is making. If you can't change it and if you can't influence how much you're getting paid, I think it'll only make your job harder to know, but certainly you should know, but you certainly are entitled to know what your boss gets paid and what their boss gets paid 
and so on and so forth. But I'm just saying for your own peace of mind, it will drive you nuts because it, it, it will never be fair. It'll never feel fair until you're there, until you're, until you're at the top. Um, but you'll never get there working as a bank teller. So, uh, I've done some other gig, gig stuff. I like doing gigs. I like going on Craigslist and doing weird gigs. I like cleaning one, like just doing uh, demo work or like, I like just cleaning someone's yard one time. You know, picking up debris one time and getting paid 20 an hour. I like that. I like the lack of commitment. I love that. And you meet weird people who are also gigging, who are like really lost in life and just work odd jobs to make ends meet. They're really interesting people. I've sold my body to science. I volunteered my body to studies when I was in San Diego. I was, I would drive to LA to, uh, test mystery uh not mystery to me or to them but to me um fluid that they'd inject or i'd eat and uh, one of them was uh uh they were testing a a vaccine for the virus that like causes like 50 percent of like food poisoning cases and uh neurovirus is what it was called it was like is a type of virus and uh they they gave you a vaccine which was just you just ate all these pills and that was the vaccine it was interesting and is an oral vaccine and then uh and then they gave you food poisoning and then they lock you up for four days because uh it's highly contagious and so they put you in these cubicles and i had to shit in a bucket and i had to call a nurse every time i shit in the bucket so they could come and collect it and then send it off to uh, to the lab, so they'd collect all my shit and piss for four days, and then I got paid like six thousand. It ended up being more. It ended up being like, like, like eight. No, 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 no. It was like it was like eleven thousand dollars they paid me for that, because initially it was like sixty five hundred. No, it was even more. It was like it was at least like thirteen k because it was initially like six. They were paying me like six point five. I was gonna do it for six and a half, like a chump, which I did. I did do it with the expectation of only getting six and a half thousand dollars for giving myself food poisoning or allowing them to give me food poisoning, and then they hit me up like four months later, and they're like, "Hey, just so you know, uh, we are." sending you another check for $6,500 because we couldn't get enough people to do the study with the original like compensation. So we like doubled it because we want to get this like study done so we can get this vaccine um, to market or whatever. So they doubled it, but because, you know, I'm sure there's lots of laws in in place, but they had to uh, retroactively pay all the previous like study participants the same money they were paying the new ones so i was coasting on that for a while uh it doesn't it doesn't last very long in san diego but you know it certainly pays the rent for a while so just like weird shit like that 
And I'm fine now. I mean, I'm young. I don't really care about selling my body. I certainly don't do it if you're like pregnant or whatever. But uh, I don't care. I don't care about my body. I don't care about my life. I care about. I take care of my body. I'm fucking like vegetarian. Um, but I, I'm happy to put other things in my body. I I, I understand like people. There's there's always this like bullshit about like oh like you won't like take the vaccine, but like you'll eat like Dorito, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's all bad. It's all bad. It doesn't like find the balance that works for you. Whatever helps you sleep at night, whatever you can justify eating and not eating, whether it's for moral reasons or ethical reasons or for your own personal health reasons, like who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck what you eat? Okay. Until, until we have, like social, like truly like socialized healthcare, it doesn't fucking matter what you eat. Okay. Once we're all really paying for each other's, uh, eating habits, then it will matter. Then you can police each other when, when we do it now because there are people who smoke and even though we're not completely socialized, we are paying a lot for people who smoke. Um, because a lot of the effects of smoking don't come until later in life, uh, when you're old and you're on, uh, 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 a Medicare. Okay. When you qualify for Medicare after smoking for 40 years, that's when we can judge you. Okay. But we can't judge you too hard when you're 20 and smoking cigs, but we should, we should call you a fucking retard. Same way if you're vaping, we should call you a fucking retard uh it's all bad but we're not paying for it or at least we're not hyper conscious of paying for it and anyway speaking of socialism i i i qualified for food stamps uh in california because california standards for for calfresh which is their food, their, their personal state run food stamp program. Uh, it is not as strict as, as other States. And that is actually something that I, uh, kind of support in a way. And I, I benefited from it because it turns out I was by California standards living poverty level or barely above poverty based on my income doing cam work and selling my body to uh, vaccine testing, I qualified for Californian food stamps. And um, I used, I, I felt like I was hesitant because I was like, do I need this? California I was getting 20, I was getting like 25% taken out of my, my paycheck. And I know it's, it's pretty bad everywhere. Um, and I know that's like what you, what you expect in California, but I kind of wanted a little bit back and I didn't feel bad about taking some of that back through food stamps. Am I a criminal? I don't know. I qualified. <laughs> The problem is that I can, I can work a good job. I can work a better job. That that's the problem. And I see the, 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 
the mindset of someone who wants to accept more hand handouts. When there are handouts, they will be taken. People like my dad, when there are handouts, he will take them to the nth degree. Now, will I go to food the food banks like my dad and, and get the unperishables? No. No. But should I? Maybe. Because when you have food stamps, you can spend them on anything. And that's the other problem. And I know I'm going back and forth on this. And I know I'm very, very vague about a lot of things. And I, I know I'm very contradictory about a lot of things. But they're, it's all very vague. And I, all I'm trying to do is toe the line and understand both perspectives. Because my mom used to judge people who, you know, because she came from nothing. And so she, she hates people who take handouts, no matter what. And we took handouts at one point. So it's, it's seemingly... I'm just explaining that I was raised to, to be a hypocrite and I'm not saying I can, I, I can certainly escape that and I can take responsibility for being a hypocrite, but it's fun to be a hypocrite. You see? And there's nothing wrong with being a hypocrite. Because I spend food stamps I'm reasonable with mine, although I am hype. I I am very tempted to to take whatever my allotment is per month, and and buy, um, and buy a bunch of whipped cream, and then just and then just do whippets <laughs> to buy three hundred dollars worth of whipped cream just for the nitrous. Isn't that isn't that funny? Isn't that a funny thought? Food stamps for whipped cream whippets. And I, I, I can't imagine that's a complete joke. I'm sure there's someone that's done that. That's the problem. There are many ways to work around food stamps, whether you sell your food stamps at a discount or uh, you, uh, you just you just buy you trade the shit you buy for other things. You know what I mean? It's just there's food stamps aren't the worst of the problem. I just I'm just saying you know there's better ways to scam, uh, which I would love to get into, and I, I don't really feel like talking much more. So this is running on kind of long, but I'll just say get a get a scam, get a hustle, get a you know do something fraudulent. Now is the time to do something fraudulent. Enough with where we've moved past the gigging era. You know, it's we've moved past the era of people having of Ubering and and doing uh uh fucking Instacart and also working a part a, a real part time job. It's enough of these multi gig schemes. Okay, you find you find a niche. And, and you convince other people to invest in you. you. You become the investment. Make yourself the investment. That is the trend for the past decade, at least. There are people still transitioning out of it. But for the most part, if you're not, if you don't already have a hustle, a pyramid scheme of some sort, you need to start now. If it's crypto, fine. There's plenty of people who are doing pump and dumps with crypto still to this day, despite all of the knowledge we have now about 
the reality of crypto, uh, there are still people who are listening to their brothers tell them you need to buy this this shit coin. Okay. That is a that is a a story I've been hearing and I continue to hear is that uh, yeah my brother or my mom or my dad or my son or my daughter uh, told me to you know buy eight thousand dollars worth of this this shit coin that they heard about or read about on Reddit and it's a pump and dump it's a pump it's a, it's 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 do that become that. I know I'm saying that and I could do it too. But I don't believe in it. It's hard for me to, I can't convince myself to commit to the scam. That is my problem. As I lack the follow through and I, I, I would just, I get bored of the scam and I, and I scam in my own way. I scam on cam sites. I promise them something sexy and I don't give it to them. I sell them the illusion that they're that uh, of, of me liking them. I sell the illusion of I'm good friends with you and I like you and I want to talk to you. I sell that. Some would say that's a, that's a scam. I don't think it is. If it is, I don't care. I'm ready to do a real scam. I'm ready to do real... I'm ready to commit crime. If anyone wants to hit me up and commit crime, let me know. I have debt. I still have college debt. I still have, I have loans because I went to fucking massage school, which is also a scam. Because massage school was a big scam. A lot of schools are. And a lot of schools are, a lot of colleges are scams and they are reimbursable and you can get federal loans for scams and you can get, you can use GI Bill for scam schools because nobody's moderating them in a meaningful way because there's enough money circulating to keep it going. Okay, but I fell for it. Okay, and I'm in debt because I wanted to rub bodies with oil in a legitimate way. That was me being horny. I was investing in my, I was investing in my dick by going to massage school because I said I'm gonna get so much pussy because I'm gonna be able to massage bitches and get them wet. And I'll fuck them on my massage table, which I did. I, I it was a war. For me, it was actually a worthwhile investment. But as a whole, if you're going into it as a career, don't go to uh, the school I went to is selling all sorts of pseudoscience and uh, poppycock. So um, I just wish I picked a different school. Anyway, I'm never going to pay it. I don't intend to pay my debt. Uh, I'm going to accrue incredible amounts of debt. And someday... I will um, decide I have nothing else to invest in when I give up and I will have a kid and my kid will start a podcast and he'll say, wow, my dad has been in debt his whole life and it's almost as if he like didn't care or plan on having a future. And I'll say, uh, 
the difference between me and my dad will be that I will tell them that that is exactly what I had in mind, that this was a completely conscious effort and a complete lack of disregard for uh, the human life that I created and am responsible for. That will be the only difference is that I will uh, come out and uh, let my kid know up front so that there is no confusion and so that he doesn't have to talk about it on his podcast or whatever form of entertainment he wants in the future with his therapist. I thought I had more to this. Um, Just keep hustling. Just keep grinding. Give up. Give up soon. You know? Give up when you need to and then have a kid. And they have... give Because a kid has infinite potential that you wasted. Okay? You only have as much potential as your children once you have them. You should, unless you're a bad parent. If you're a good parent... If you're a good parent, your potential for success is rooted purely in your child's success. That is how it should be once you have that child. If your child fails, you fail. If you're a good parent. If you're a bad parent, you can go off and do whatever the fuck you want. You can still be successful somewhere else, but most likely you won't be. Most likely you're done. You get the success first and have your kids if you want them. But kids should be an act of desperation, not they should not be a goal. Okay, your your kids should be a, a your kids should be a last ditch effort. When you have nothing left. You have no other options. Have a child. See what happens. Anything could happen when you have a kid. He could be an actor. You could, you could groom him. You could sell him. He could be a doctor. He could be at least a nurse. Doesn't mean he's going to work as a nurse. But hey, at least you get to tell people your son's a college graduate, at least. You get to have a dead kid, maybe. And then you get to mourn for the rest of your life. Then you get to, you get to use that as an excuse for being a bitch. Your kid died. Now that, that's why you're a failure. It's because your kid died at no fault of your own, you know. Your kid's retarded. That's why you suck. That's why you're mean. That's why you're bitter about life. Not because not because you fucked up before you had a kid. It's because you had a retarded kid. That's why you're a bad person now. That's why people hate you now. That's why you're annoying now. Let your kids be an excuse for your failures. Please. That is 
that is the, a, a key lesson that newer parents, new, new generations of parents are forgetting. Don't let that be lost. If you have friends who are having kids, remind them children are an investment and you treat them as such. Kids are your future. Not for everyone else, just for you. They're just for your future. Good luck and good night.